This is Platypus Houston. I'm Kale Unby. When Charles Morgan arrived on the shipping scene in the 1830s, he was not the first to notice the advantage of using the port of Galveston. Others like McLean, Williams, and McKinney had been using the port of Galveston for a few years and had established the port as one of the few major seaports in Texas. See, Galveston had a disadvantage to other big ports in Texas, like Indianola. Galveston had very shallow sandbars, which made it difficult for seafaring boats to get into the harbor. The solution for a number of years was to load the cotton from Galveston onto smaller, shallower boats to get out past the shallows, and then transfer the cotton to larger seafaring boats. As you might imagine, this got very expensive. What with the additional manual labor, the additional time, and the lost cargo, oftentimes overboard straight into the gulf. Sure, with this disadvantage, Morgan could have focused his attention elsewhere, but Galveston had the heightened advantage of being close to the cotton farms, the cotton farmers, and the processing factories, which just happened to be on Galveston Island. Morgan devised a plan to overcome the sandbars, to lower costs, and to assure Galveston as the true gateway port to the west. Charles Morgan's plan was this to build seafaring boats with shallow enough holes so they could easily float over the shallow sandbars. Sure, it took him a while to get the design right, but when he did, his seafaring boats could get past the 10-foot and sometimes 5-foot shallows and into Galveston Harbor, and then all the way over to New Orleans. He would then use his bigger, more rugged boats to ship out of New Orleans to the rest of the world. Between this advantage in Galveston and his own port in Indianola, Charles Morgan nearly monopolized shipping in and out of Texas. Over the next few years, however, Charles Morgan took several hits to his monopoly. The Civil War came, and all of his ships and ports were commandeered by either the U.S. Army, as Galveston Island was a supporter of the Union, or by the Confederate Army. The Civil War left Charles Morgan with old, abused, and beat-up ships and ports. To add to the setbacks, shortly after the war... All of his ports in Indianola were destroyed by a hurricane, cutting his business in half. When he moved his attention and focus to Galveston, now the largest port in Texas, a shipping company from New York wanted a piece of the Texas shipping action. Enter C.H. Mallory and Company, and enter the competition that would put Galveston Island on the map. Mallory and Co. had a successful route from New York to New Orleans, And when they saw Charles Morgan's success in Galveston, they jumped on the bandwagon. Mallory & Co. designed ships that would get through shallow sandbars and all the way up to New York City without transferring cargo, just one step above Charles Morgan, but enough to hit him hard. With the opportunity to open direct routes from Galveston to New York City, many of the shipping companies and port owners in Galveston invested in Mallory & Co., With a loosening grip on the monopoly he once had, Charles Morgan built similar ships to make direct routes from Galveston to New York, allowing him to start a price war with Mallory & Co. Unfortunately, Mallory & Co.'s financial backers didn't like the price war, so they began giving special treatment to the Mallory & Co. ships at the port of Galveston. This forced Charles Morgan out of the price war and out of Galveston for good. Once out of Galveston... Charles Morgan began searching for a place to locate his next port. Houston provided time and again the most advantageous location. All of the cargo coming out of Galveston traveled by rail through Houston before going to the rest of Texas, 
Placing a port there meant that the cargo would make one less stop, and it didn't hurt that he was able to purchase the Bayou Shipping Company, who already had a small port on the Buffalo Bayou. Charles Morgan located to the bayou in 1874 and successfully dredged a 12-foot deep channel 50 miles to the gulf, now known as the Houston Ship Channel. At the same time, he aligned himself with, and bought out when necessary, the major railroads in the area, forcing cargo out of Galveston to travel on the Charles Morgan Railroad. As if the big company out of New York was already a step ahead, Mallory & Co., built a private railroad that bypassed Houston entirely, making all of Charles Morgan's efforts useless. With the stronger and more established port in Galveston, it would appear that New York's Mallory & Co. would have finally beat out Texas local Charles Morgan. That is, until 1900. The Great Storm of 1900 destroyed most of Galveston Island. The 15-foot surge completely flooded the island that stood only 8 feet above sea level, the storm of 1900 was the deadliest single natural disaster in the history of the U.S. It took years, decades, to get Galveston back to its recognizable self. In those decades of building, the Port of Houston had time to grow and gain traction. At the same time, a majority of the financial supporters for the Port of Galveston realized the danger of having a port so close to the Gulf and so susceptible to the weather. Instead of starting from scratch and say, Dallas, Texas, which was an actual consideration, they moved just 50 miles inland to the already established Port of Houston. Nowadays, Galveston is known as the younger sibling to Houston, a place to take a weekend by the sea or to catch a cruise. But if it were not for a healthy competition between Charles Morgan and Mallory and & Co. and the devastating storm in 1900, Galveston might look a lot more like today's Houston. Galveston could have been the fourth largest city in the U.S., and we could have called Galveston the oil capital of the world, and Galveston could have had the largest medical center in the U.S., and Houston could have been a smaller sister town to Galveston, like uh, present-day Conroe, and Galveston would be the largest international port in the United States. For Platypus Galveston, I'm Kale Ownby. Thanks, everyone, who's been sending in episode ideas. I love getting to see and hear what y'all are interested in and getting a bunch of good ideas for future episodes. If you listen to this podcast on Android via a third-party app, I have good news for you. Google Play is very soon releasing podcasts on their music app. By the time you listen to this, it should be up, though I haven't been given a specific dates yet. If you look for it and can't find it, let me know, and I will duke it out with Google to make sure it gets up there. Like I mentioned last episode, I'm looking for some people to help me produce a couple episodes. I have some great ideas and want to make this podcast better and more frequent. If you have audio production, interviewing, writing, or editing experience, or if you want some, shoot me an email, platypushouston at gmail.com. I'd love to get a conversation going about having you help. Thanks, everyone, for listening and for talking about the podcast.